everyone, and welcome again to Submitted for Your Approval. This is Brandon Cruz, where we talk about The Twilight Zone. And this is the first episode back from my super, super long hiatus. Super, super long. Uh, but I have a wonderful guest today, Miss Joan Ford. Hello, ma'am. How are you today? Good, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Excited to be your first guest back. Yes, it's it's so it's so good to have you. I, yes. you know, I, I was I'm only like six episodes away from the very end of season two, and then I could take another hiatus. And I don't know why I chose back in April to be like, okay, now I'm done for a minute. <laughs> well, maybe it was this. You were gearing up for this episode. Uh, I rewatching this episode. I forgot about how intense it was. Uh, so so maybe you just needed a lot of mental space before you got to the episode about a grandmother trying to convince her grandson to kill himself yeah what is what uh i mean we'll we'll get all into this but yes. th- this episode is so it's so morbid to me for some reason <laughs> i yeah yeah it's like more morbid than i remember uh like i for like it's i growing up which is you know i watched the twilight zone a ton growing up i would have never put this in my like top like scariest or darkest episodes but watching it again it really like it kind of belongs up there like what's going on is what's going on in this episode is like in kind of insane more insane than like your usual like talking doll or whatever yes yeah and uh, and again i think we'll we'll get into it but that grandma's a little evil I'm just saying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't like, you don't know up top. She just, she's not like, she doesn't like telegram. She just seems like a needy grandma, but she turns out to be like evil grandma. Yeah. <laughs> oh, needy. I mean, I would rather have a needy grandma than evil, but. Oh yeah. Much. Uh, yeah. We are of course going to be talking about long distance call today. Originally aired March 31st, 1961 stars Lily Darvis as the grandma, the evil not needy grandma philip abbott as chris and bill moomy as billy they got very creative with with his character name and the the teleplay is by charles beaumont and william idelson and directed by james sheldon quick synopsis of the episode it's really simple uh there's a grandmother who just really really loves her grandson and then she dies but before she does she gives her grandson a telephone a toy telephone through which after she dies she starts talking to him on it and tries to convince him to kill himself basically and eventually uh he 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 almost drowns and the the father now believing that the grandmother might be on the other line pleads with her let billy go let him live his life and she does he miraculously survives bill moomy survives Ooh, that's it that's it. That's as quick yeah, as I can he, get. <laughs> he miraculously survives after being in, like, he had to have been in that water for all of like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I know I did that one. I almost drowned in 30 seconds one time, uh, but it was, it was, oh, really? it was taking a shot of <laughs> whiskey, I think. So I, is that, is that long enough? Like, is that's long enough to, to drown? Like if you're under for 30, if you're under for like 30 seconds, I, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. I don't know. Actually, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. And like, also it's like hard to like, I imagine it's like hard to drown your, to like hold yourself under the water and just like, as a, like a, what is he? He was a five-year-old kid being just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to like drown myself. That's a pretty hardcore kid. Yeah. Super hardcore. Like, did he, did he like wrap his arm, like hands around his neck and like keep plunging yeah. himself under? Yeah. I, I mean, you have to do something right. Because like, 
the, the I mean, even if even if your desire to see your dead grandma in like heaven is like super intense. I imagine like the instinct to survive will kick in at some point and you'd like get, and you'd like resurface. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, I mean, also, go, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, so and what was it was like, was that their like koi pond that he was like drowning himself in? I, I think, I think so. Like a very fancy okay. koi pond in their Yeah. Their- they're like a very bougie, like 1950s or sixties family. Yeah. And I mean, the, well, and- they got, and the and the gr- grandmother gave him like just like a really, you know, shoddy toy phone. Yeah. You know, and and when she unwrapped it, or when he unwrapped it, I was like, she she didn't do a very good job of wrapping that present. No, it was like, like one piece of tape. It was like one piece of tape, like <laughs> all the corners like kind of like tied up. Like, and I okay. So so let me ask you this. Yeah. So like, now we're gonna do it. What? Do you think was this part of the grandmother's like scheme? Like, did she know she was going to die, and that's why she gave him the telephone, or is it just like a coincidence? That that's a very good point, and, and I I asked myself that this morning when I woke up at three in the morning and said, you know, let's rewatch this episode. Yeah, I I was like, because there was a certain amount of time that passes in between like his birthday, and then when she gets sick and dying, right? Like it's it's not like it's not yeah. like an hour later it's presumably like a week or two oh i don't know i got the i i got the indication that like she literally like died the night of his birthday oh. am I, well, am, maybe i read that wrong but it seemed like yeah she just like like she was gone maybe maybe i'm off on that but that's what it felt like okay all right yeah i i had i had a different reading of it um okay but if well, let, let's just go with yours let's go with your reading um then okay. then it must have been a very sinister <laughs> plan of hers like, yeah because she like gets like like she like she gets downstairs for the birthday and the dad's immediately like you like you have like chris chris the dad it's like like you get to enjoy like this birthday party for like 10 minutes and then you're going back upstairs <laughs> like why isn't this is this if she's in that bad shape like why first of all they should have like they should have like hospice set up in like the bat in the in the living room if she's not if she's so sick that she can only be like she shouldn't be flat climbing stairs every day is what i'm saying right and then like why isn't she like like she's not getting proper like health care i'm like it feels like she should be in the hospital or something if she's that bad off <laughs> yeah and it, like they should have at least like the mechanical little chair that goes up the stairs you know yeah if she... oh yes yes like the one from gremlins <laughs> yeah yeah Oh yeah! Bring it, bring me back. Um, yeah, favorite old lady, dead old ladies from movies. <laughs> I I wonder. In in you know okay so, and if she is that feeble, okay, then where did where did she get this phone this toy phone from? Like oh, that's a good question, right? Like did did she have was it like a uh, uh, not a memento but an heirloom? Like a oh maybe a creepy telephone heirloom. Yeah, but she just like regifted them like old toy telephone from when she was growing up. Yeah. That would make like uh that would make yeah it's like how how would she get out? Did she have did someone pick it up for her? I don't know, but she definitely um she definitely like it's it's definitely like I was like how is this how is this kid this excited about a, a a toy phone? Well, it was it was a it's a different era back then. 
I guess that, yeah, toys were like not as cool in the sixties. I guess I played with, I don't know why I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> shitting on this toy so much. I guess I, I played with toy phones growing up. That was, yeah, I guess, I guess I can buy that this kid was that into a toy phone. Yeah, but, I, but I think we had the toy phone that like you pull on a string and it had like the eyeballs on the front that go up and down. Yes. <laughs> or like the ones like you could talk to like cartoon characters. Yes. Um, I don't know if the Flintstones fit phone was a real thing, but it was definitely in the episode of the Simpsons. Uh, but yeah, we had definitely had better toy phones than that kid. But I like, guess, you know, until like, until it turns out that it, it connects you to your dead grandma. Right. Right. And I wonder what the, um, you know, the, the, the fees are like if, if Pac Bell, I'm assuming it's Pac Bell back then. I would assume so. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, like, is it, is it long distance? Like obviously yeah. the title is long distance call, but yeah that would have been a good that would have been a good like button for the episode is that like the dad after after the the <laughs> after the the dad gets like a phone bill and he's like oh my god yeah <laughs> uh it could have been a good bit of good light ending for that episode about a grandmother who who tries to get her grandson to commit suicide <laughs> yeah as as a kid did you you know there used to be the the box it was something on the tv where you could you could order music videos through the phone or, uh, or, or, or anything. I, I vaguely remember that. I've definitely got a box and I definitely remember like pay-per-view, but wait, wait, what was it? You could order music videos. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a music video jukebox and you would call in and you would order your song for them to play. It was, it was. Kind okay. Of, and then like, it was kind of, cool. how would you, and like, you would just pay for it. Through your te- through your telephone bill. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I miss like I miss like old like before we had the internet. We are like at, like access te- like when we needed access to thing, but like we had to come up or roundabout ways to do it. I miss stuff like that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I I just know that my my grandparents, my grandma actually was so mad at me when I racked up like a hundred bucks worth of music videos on her <laughs> phone bill. Um. Do you remember? Do you remember what videos you ordered? Uh, I I remember I ordered some Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, oh yes! Oh, perfect. Also, a Foo Fighters video, like when they first came out. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, uh, some, some good facts, especially Weird Al. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was smells like teens. Uh, not smells like teen spirit. Smells like smells Nirvana. like Nirvana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was that? That one. Uh, that's great music video. It won like. It won like best director of the year at like the at the MTV uh, Music Video Awards that year. Oh, I didn't I didn't know that, but congratulations, Weird Al. Yeah, congratulations. Twenty years belated, <laughs> but congratulations, Weird Al. Uh, I'm sure who probably listens to this. <laughs> um, so you know, what did you, what did you think? Like, what was we we talked about the evil grandmother? Like, mm. what have you ever known? Anybody who is like so, like, I guess selfish, like, for lack of a better word, like, what? Why would she be so selfish about trying to get her grandkid to, uh, to be dead? I know it's kind of a weird question. I get like the only thing I can. She must have been like, just like a super unpopular woman her entire life because I'm. I mean, like, I'm assuming she's in heaven. Uh, or, or like some sort of afterlife. And 
you assume there'd be other people that she knew throughout her entire life up there that she could just like hang out and not have to like all of a sudden rely on her, like uh, her grandson for company again. But I guess not. I guess she was just like a massively like unpopular person. And that she just like, she's hungry for whatever company she gets. I don't know. Cause, it's, cause I, I think it's also mentioned that like the, the Chris, the, the, the um the dad like it's mentioned that he had like two brothers that died at some point so she already has like kids up there yeah hey <laughs> what an what, she's such a uh, uh, jerk. yeah <laughs> jerk hole yeah, very like a, a and like kind of very like attached to this one kid like you think the dad like why isn't Chris like the dad like well, like I'm your son why aren't you trying to get me to kill myself. <laughs> Well, you know, that that's that's a big part of the episode is like I think that the the grandmother is just so resentful towards his wife that she's like, yes. "Uh, you know what? He's a lost cause. Like he he left me for this other woman essentially." Um uh, like I'm going to go with this 5-year-old. Yeah, I get but you know, um this 5-year-old yeah, this 5-year-old kid. Like yeah, it, like it's crazy and it's crazy cuz like like I don't know, his mom. He's like you're still living in his house, lady. Like he's making a lot of accommodations for you. <laughs> uh, like like I can kick you out any any time I want. Please yeah. be nicer to me. Yeah, it's like he she wanted him to become like like Norman Bates essentially, like just like a like a like a single dude who, who's obsessed with his mom, and like he only got like halfway there. Like he's st- he got married, but his wife still like his mom's still in the house. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, maybe she, she just wanted him to go like full Norman Bates. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and I I think there's the other part where so you mentioned the the two brothers and yes. And I think like they died like when they were just when they were so young where they were just uh, I don't know if it was stillborn or or like during childbirth. Uh, oh, that might be the case. Yeah. Uh, but you know if that's the case, then then she never got to really bond with them. Maybe. True. Because uh, I know for like my my kid between me and my wife, like we I mean we love our we love our son now, but for like right. the first like month or so after he's born, like. It was just it's just such like a weird thing where you're like, I'm I know I'm supposed to love you, but I yeah. don't yet. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've definitely heard that about, you know, like it's it's kind of, you know, uh, media kind of implies that it should be like this instant like bonding thing with your kid. But like it does take some you know, it's not uncommon for it. Just like take a while. So, yeah, I mean, maybe she just never had the time to bond with those kids with, you know, those kids. Yeah. The two uh, the two ones. But uh, I assume based on the logic of this episode that they are in heaven uh, and that they do like, I don't know, they probably want to spend time with their mom. I don't know. <laughs> And and obviously she was married at some point in time, so yes, yeah, she's got a husband up there. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, come on, honey, can we, yeah. you know, can it's we like, hang no. out?" I need to talk. What was what was the uh, what was the kid's name? I'm forgetting B- already. Billy is Billy. Billy, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, Billy. No, I want to talk to Billy. Uh, yeah, it's it's she. Yeah, she seems like got her prior. She's kind of a jerk with like like messed up priorities. Yeah. I, um. Do you think that the if there was a like 
say this episode didn't use the, the telephone conceit, right? And they, they picked just a like a completely random other object. What would be a good uh-huh. what would be a good object for her to uh, to to talk to her grandson with? Oh. Now are we setting this in the same time period? Ooh, yeah, yeah. I I mean we're just we're like the the writer was like, you know what? I was I was gonna call it long distance call, but let's not use a phone. Let's use something something stupid. Oh I'm uh, something stupid. Oh, I'd love something like, uh, you know, like a, like a something that has like a mouth, like or that can be used as a mouth. And I can see a dresser opening its like drawers to make it to make it look like it's talking. <laughs> um, but like that'd be fun. That'd be cool. But then also like I don't know. Like I think a more traditional like horror movie choice might be like he sees her in a mirror or like he hears her through the, like a phonograph. What about you? What are your what are your picks? Ooh, that that phonograph one is is really good. Uh, I I'm thinking like one of those uh like those old school um the the, the horns that goes go out of people's ears where they're like they're... oh yeah that'd be great oh and that would be pr- like maybe you set up at the beginning of the episode that she like has one of those because she can't hear very well yeah and then like leaves it behind when she dies and then he billy gets his hands on it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then and then he's like okay well you know the episode resolves and everything is good uh he doesn't die but then he uses it to join like chicago the band i don't know oh i love it yeah oh it's, it turns out the whole thing's like a chicago origin story yeah. <laughs> yeah uh yeah does anybody really know what time it is that's that's where the song uh, that's where the song came from yes yeah <laughs> uh, uh, uh I mean, what what else what else did you think about the episode? Um, I mean, I think I think it's still like pretty like effective. I still, I, I mean, on a serious level, I did like enjoy like the episode. It still has a lot of those, you know, those weird like uh, like Twilight Zone, you know, things that are very much like of the time period. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely thought like the dad was uh, like I, I definitely picked up on like how like kind of rough the dad was with everybody. Like, the dad really like, manhandled like the kid and his wife and even his mom. Um, but uh like yeah like just like like shaking them violently whenever he wanted them to like calm down or be quiet uh but it was still like I, it's still like a, i think a pretty like effective like you know scare like scary story what do you what about you i i i always have a hard time getting past like th- these four episodes that are shot in this uh with the the video Right. Oh, that's right. Um, you know, with the soap opera stuff. But if I can, if I can get past that, then I I enjoy it. I just I almost wish that they they made the grandmother just a little bit more benevolent, and instead instead of being like so, yeah, I want I want him to die with me, because I, yeah, I, I I like that that part of it just doesn't you, I I don't know you you want it you kind of want to em, uh, empathize with the, the grandmother like okay yeah she doesn't want to be lonely in the afterlife but at the same time why would you sacrifice you know your your blood your family uh it, you know it's, yeah if they could do some something to explain that a little bit better I think I would have appreciated it more yeah it's almost like they either needed to make her a little more sister like up top so I'd buy that she'd do this kind of thing instead she's just kind of like I don't know, like a little sad and a little loopy, but she's not, she doesn't seem very, she doesn't seem sinister. Um, or like, you know, if we had gotten more into the kind of like, 
the, the idea of where she goes when she dies and like what kind of like thing does she being does she turn into if she, it's it's like a you know if it's kind of some if it's not like a, a traditional afterlife you know the way we might think of it but you know something where you do turn into like like something a little more malevolent i don't know i could have i could have understood that too but as it stands yeah it was just kind of like it's kind of like crazy right right and there's there's a part of this episode that to me that reminds me of uh, little girl lost do you know that episode uh yeah it's the it's the one where she goes into the wall right yes 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 it, and i don't uh, i i have to watch that episode again to to know if my feeling is is accurate or not but like just the the whole aspect of like going into a different dimension that i i feel like the grandmother is almost like the di- the dimension from a little girl lost and the grandmother dies but goes to that place Oh. Yeah. Oh, I can, I can buy into that. I can buy into this like twilight zone, uh, shared universe theory, like, like all the episodes connect. Right. Um, but I, I do think like, that's a good, of exi- like that episode works better because the dimension is, is just kind of like this force that has no, like it just exists. It has no, uh, like motivation or character that you need to justify or read into. Too. just like this force of nature that she gets swept up in as opposed to like yeah having to rationalize this you know this insane thing that this grandma wants sure yeah that that, that makes sense yeah i could i could see that so i ask i ask everybody i ask everybody to rate the episode okay uh and in whatever in whatever rating you prefer so i i've had i've had folks use hedgehogs um like four out of five hedgehogs is what they've given any any rating scale you choose what would you rate this episode oh man i would uh give this one five out of ten um uh flying eyeballs (laughs) i love it five five out of ten flying eyeballs (laughs) <laughs> yes, because uh, there is an opening in Twilight Zone that has a flying eyeball in it, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're you're, you're right. But <laughs> I was when you said flying eyeballs, I was I was thinking of just eyeballs with like bat wings. Yes, uh, yeah, which is like it would be like a, I feel like a sticker, like a sticker you'd get in like the '80s. But yeah, <laughs> um, but no, I meant just that like fl- like flying eyeball from I think it was 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 it the first not the first season opening, like maybe the second or third? I forget. Yes. Uh, my mind's a blank now, so uh, don't quote me on. It's one of the seasons. <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah, it's it's one of the seasons. Um, you, you say you say five out of ten. Like it is that that's that's right in the middle. So that's you would consider that average. Yeah, I put this like right in the middle of like Twilight Zone episodes. It's not, it's it's obviously not one of the like classics. Um, but it's also not one of like the, like kind of like insane, like there, there are a bunch of like insane, like almost like embarrassing ones. Um, so I put this like, it's like a, it's like an effective, like kind of fun, like still fun, scary story. I'm, I do remember the first time I saw as a kid. Um, and like, it's, it, 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 it really unnerved me as a kid. Like it, this was one that like got to me. Uh, so I'm still, maybe I'm giving it a little more points for remembering how scared I was when I first saw it, but I do think it's like a pretty like you know uh it's a it's a very like you know standard issue twilight zone okay yeah i i can, I can get behind that uh in in that case i will give it a six out of ten flying eyeballs. okay cool, cool. 
that's fair. Because I, I, because I, I, I do agree with you, and I think when I was a kid, too, not knowing really death yet, the first time I saw this episode, like there's yeah. something creepy about being talked to from the other side, like. Uh, yes, death, yes. Death wasn't a thing that I I knew existed. Like, uh, I had a, a baby bird fell out of a nest one time, and then we were taking care of it in a shoebox. It's gonna get morbid for sex, sorry. Uh, no, and then and then it died, and so we, my my parents buried it in the yard, and I think I was like four or something, and this is around the same time I saw this episode, and I was like, I dug it up because I was like, oh, why is it? Why'd you bury it? We should dig it up because I didn't know it was dead. Oh. Anyways, uh-huh. welcome to welcome to how my childhood was screwed up. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I also um, it, like I remember very specifically. Um, it was an episode of the, not this one, but it was an episode of the Twilight Zone that like kind of like solidified like oh like people die for me like there it was it wasn't this one it was uh, like nothing in the dark which I don't have you done nothing in the dark yet no 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 I haven't okay. Like nothing. Uh, it's the. It's. Uh, can I. Can I talk about it? It's okay yeah, to like yeah. jump ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a Robert Redford one, right? Yeah, it's the Robert Redford episode. Um, and I remember I, uh, growing up, the first way I saw the Twilight Zone is that, uh, my uncle, uh, re- w- used to record. But this is before I, I I had cable before my family had cable. But my uncle did, and he would record them off of VHS and like give them to us. Hmm. Um, and I remember we were up, uh, we, we go up to this like cabin in the Adirondacks, which is a, for those who don't know, it's like a mountain range, uh, in, you know, upstate New York every summer. And I brought a tape and I was like, like maybe five or six and I brought like a tape full of Twilight Zone episodes. And I remember I watched this, I watched nothing in the dark, which is the, the, the one where, um, you know, Robert, it, it turns out the spoiler alert for a 40 year old episode of TV, it turns out that Robert Redford, it's like this old woman who's terrified. Death is at her door and she's terrified of it. And when she opens the door, it's like Robert Redford, this handsome young man. It's great. It's a wonderful episode. But that was when I was like, Oh shit. Like death is a thing. I remember like, like processing and thinking about that night and being like, Oh, like I'm going to die. Everyone I know is going to die. Uh, so yeah, just funny that both of our, uh, both of our first understandings of, of death kind of came from the twilight zone. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I got other than, other than death, like I've pulled stuff from the twilight zone and I've talked about it on, on this show before, just like I've learned part of my political inclinations and, uh, thoughts about things from the show and, yeah. and, and even more, more, I won't say tangible necessarily, but, uh, pertinent things to this like death like death is something i've learned about from this yeah it was a, it's it, it was a very yeah it's like a it's a very like formative show especially like it, it it's weird like i feel like you know my parents were okay with me watching it because they saw it as like this you know it's like this older black or white thing that they probably even grew up with but it does have there's like so much going on that like it, it kind of like it definitely like imprints upon you as a kid yeah yeah Especially if it's like yeah. the living doll episode or. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or just like the, I remember the episode that one of the, like the, the, not the, not the, although I love uh terror at uh, 40,000 feet, but um, the, the William Shatner one where he's like in the diner and he won't leave because the thing keep, like that, like was it like, I remember that to this day. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like uh, it's, 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 it's it, I mean, yeah, obviously you have a podcast about it. So you know, <laughs> but it's like, such an amazing show. Yes, absolutely. And and it's it's so much better talking 
to it or talking about it with folks such as yourself. So I appreciate you coming on the show for that. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Um, is what I want to do is I want to just talk a little bit about you and and some of the things that you do. I so you are another one of my uh, upright citizens brigade guests. Uh, th- yes. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Carrie, for uh, hooking me up with such wonderful folks. And and you. Oh no! Who else? Who, what other UCB guests have you had? Uh, Jamie Gall, I've had on here. Good talk. Okay. Um, and we wrote a book about improv. Will Hines. Yeah, there you go. Good old oh, Will. Solid yeah. guest. Yes. Yes, I, it's been a long time since I've had Will on the show. So uh, hopefully he doesn't listen to this and hear me forget his name. Just you can edit out the pause. <laughs> um, but also I'll go. By- and now I want to go back and listen to that episode. But anyways, <laughs> yes, I'm a UCB person. Yes, yes. And, you, and you've and you also wrote a book that I'm actually, I not actually, a book that I want to read because it, it sounds really funny, uh, which is uh, you released back in June of last year, Killing It, The Action Girl's yes. Guide to Saving the World While Looking Hot. Now, yes, it's fine. It's uh, kind of like a self-help book uh, that teaches women how to be like strong female characters in sexist action movies written by men. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was such a cool and and witty way of uh, a topic of you know telling how to how to be a a woman in a men's yeah. action world. Um, yes. Um... Yeah, I just I had I've grown up like with those movies, like inter like grown up internalizing them, and it was just like uh, a very fun uh, but kind of like, easy like you know it just it, it was it was something that I've been uh, tr- like kind of training myself to write for like thirty years, right? Or, like, preparing myself to write for thirty years. Well, what what was what was the was there a catalyst at all in in saying like okay you know what I wanna I I wanna write this this needs to be written. Um, it was kind of, it kind of, uh, I kind of got the idea around the time that, uh, Jurassic World came out and there was all that kind of, uh, you know, there was the, the heel gate controversy, the whole like running in heels thing. That's kind of where like it, we were, you know, kind of joking about like, okay, well, what, why does she keep the heels on? Why does running in like heels, why does, why do heels actually make running easier? Um, so it was kind of like all stemmed from that. It was like, well, what, like, would be it would be fun to write a book like justifying all these like uh, you know uh, in a very tongue in cheek way but like justifying all these like insane crazy things that uh, women have to go through in action movies that's kind of what the book does it like gives you the rationale for like why you know why wear wear armor that expo- exposes you and why run high heels and why you know what like all this insane stuff it's just like kind of like having fun like coming up with like insane justifications for it all (laughs) uh did was was there any specific topic in the book that was more difficult than another to 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 justify you know what? Uh, um, honestly no like it's all like like when you get down and like everything is like that like you know the kind of uh mental gymnastics you go through were kind of the same for everyone it was just kind of you know finding the silliest reasons that that you would like do anything do any of this stuff 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Because uh, once you start lying to yourself, then it's easy to just keep going. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like improv. Yes, exactly. Um, and speaking of improv, as we mentioned before, you do UCB and you, you've been, you, you've been with, uh, you've been doing UCB for, for how long now? Oh gosh. I want to say like, uh, seven years now. Woo. Yeah. A long time. Um, not as long as some, but it's a pretty long time. Um, yeah, I've been doing UCB for seven years. Um, I've been on, uh, two of their house sketch teams now i direct one and then i just i also i had a um i had a play uh, uh like a little play that ran for about a year at the theater a couple of years ago um and you know on top of that just doing like you know little any any show i can any any chance to perform or write or whatever here and there uh that i can excellent excellent it what, what i mean what what I don't know if I've asked uh, Jamie or, or Will this or Carrie, but like what like what keeps you going? What keeps you coming back to that the type of environment? Um, you know, I, I I mean, part of it is just that, you know, I've been there for so long and it really has been become a sort of, you know, like home base uh, and like just home like here in LA for me it's like where it's where I've made the majority of my friends. Uh, it's it's you know, it, it the definite like you know it did feel like feel a little like family type thing but on top of that you know i work in um the you know i i, I came to la to work in the entertainment business i came to be a writer and you know i'm still pursuing that career but like the truth is that i feel like you know when you're when you're trying to just be a writer in the industry you, it's a lot of work for a very little um you know, very, I don't want to say validated, but yeah, very little validation and very little, you know, like actual, like human contact, you know, you can be working on like scripts for years and like the only like, you know, maybe like two like studio executives ever read it, or you can be writing pilots for years and like, you know, no, and like, you know, four or five people actually read it. Um, and I, I love that, like, you know, UCB as well as all the other, like, like comedy theaters, uh, cause a lot of great ones now in LA, like gives you an opportunity to actually like put yourself out of, in front, put yourself out and your work out in front of an actual audience, a big, like, you know, you know, it's not like, you know, a million people seeing your movie, but it is like, you know, a crowd of like, uh, maybe like a hundred, 200 people who are going to like, give you like an immediate response to your work. Uh, you know, you're going to like have it, it, an, an actual connection with like you and an audience. It's not just like, you know, this work that disappear that, you know, like kind of exists in a, in like the limbo for however long it's like you get an actual like visceral like experience. Uh, you get to see how your stuff like works or doesn't work. And, and I like, that's going to always be hard. Like no matter like what else I'm doing out here, no matter like how, you know, big or not big, like my career gets, like I'm always going to want like that, like that, you know, like immediate intimate response. Yeah. I, I, I feel, I can see that. I can see how like writing, you know, it's not, it's, it's a kind of a behind the scenes thing, right? Like yeah. a, lo a lot of folks, they, you know, even Serling, he wrote all this stuff. And if he wasn't in front of the camera, you wouldn't know what he looked like. You wouldn't know what he sounded yeah. like. Um, and and, it, and it's not a feedback that you get right away. Um, what I found interesting, uh, so Rick and Morty came back on the air uh, yesterday, uh, the, the 30th, 
And then after the episode, it was it was written by the the first woman writer for the show wrote this this new episode. And uh, okay. oh wow, you know that? Yeah, yeah. And so the they did like a like a Talking Dead slash Ricking Morty uh, live stream with Dan Harmon and okay. Jane Becker who wrote the episode. And like I thought it was so cool that they brought her in front of the cameras to be like, hey, this is you know this is who's helping write the show that these are this is one of the people who's who's creating and i think yeah. that, i think that's so important to get the writers behind the scenes that kind of recognition um yeah uh, and that's a, that's oh sorry I was gonna, i'd say that that's especially great coming from those guys because like Harmon and roiland are like two i would say of a few like you know like they're celebrity creators and writers uh so it's cool that they're like kind of passing that on to you know the the people the other people who like you know who make their show work yeah absolutely and you know animation as with anything it's it's built by committee it's not just one person who's doing all the work yeah and uh you know it's again it's it's good to it's important to highlight uh, the, everybody yeah. who, who works on a piece of art. And thank you. Cause I, I have not yet got, gotten to watch that episode. So I'm going, so it's good to know. I'll do, but I will do both and watch uh what are they called? It's called Ricky and Morty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not the best, it's not the best after show, but it, yeah. it's still, it's still cool to see Jane up there uh, hanging out with the, with, with Dan Harmon. That's awesome. No. Oh. Um, uh, you also, you're a writer for Nerdist right yes i write for i write for the nerdist website uh and was it something you just an opportunity that popped up and you you jumped at the chance or i, I was actually it was a little bit of a it was a little bit of a uh slow road um uh, i first um i i was first alerted to the job by a, by or to like my new nurse existed, but uh, my friend, a friend of mine from UCB, worked there for like a couple years, and she was leaving to uh, she was leaving the job to start a new career or a new, a new job in New York, um, and she recommended me for uh, to as a as her replacement. Um, I didn't uh, and I didn't get the job immediately, but they kept calling me in for like freelance work, like you know writing sketches or news pieces here and there. Um, and then eventually when there was another opening, they brought me in. So, uh, yeah, so it was a bit of a, it was a, yeah, that's, it was, but, but that was that all, that all, that whole job, this whole job like came about because of use people who knew me at UCB and like, like that play that I was telling you about, like a lot of the people at Nerdist had already seen that. So when I came in, they were like, Oh, we know you, we like your work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it was just kind of like, it was pretty much just, uh, the, you know, seven years six or seven years of work at hard work at ucb uh starting to pay off a little bit <laughs> it, and it it feels like a it seems like it'd be a slow road that just a, yeah. just pays off eventually yes i think like uh i believe uh someone told me that amy poehler once said that like someone asked her like how do you get a job in like the entertainment industry and she said just do comedy for 10 years and eventually someone you know, so you'll know somebody who will recommend you for a job. And that's almost <laughs> exactly what happened to me. <laughs> uh, shit. I'm behind the power curve then. I, uh, so I'll start at year one here. Yeah. But just like, just know, like just know those 10, you'll have like in 10 years out, you'll have a job. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, is 
so how can how can folks get a hold of you joan um i am on uh both uh twitter and instagram as joan haley ford um and also like just go to nerdist.com uh, i'm usually putting new stuff up there every day whether it's a new news piece or um a new sketch so yeah just uh, check out nerdist on on the website and on youtube okay awesome and and what i'll do is i will put a link to your book killing it uh in the in the show notes uh, not that anybody goes to my show notes ever but just know it's there it's yeah. there, damn it. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, Joan, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, and talking. Thank you, thank you, Brandon. This is great. Uh, and, you know, believe me when I say you are welcome anytime. I, I, I except if, if there's, I'll, I'll go through and I'll see which episode you have left. I'm like, if there's one I want to jump on, I will let you know. Okay, awesome. I've, I've got season three, four, and five left. So. Ooh, you got a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, plenty, plenty there. And well, I, I'll look. For, I'll, I'll start looking through. Okay, and the and the Redford episode is available. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe uh, yeah. Although I've already yeah. We'll we'll see. Um, <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, thank you so much. And for anybody who wants to get a hold of me, uh, there's a few ways you can do that. I am of course on Twitter at s4way underscore pod. I think maybe. Uh, and also Facebook. You hit me up there. Always go to apatheticenthusiasm.com and find the show there where on podcasts everywhere uh, because this is a podcast anyways uh thank you so much for listening to the show and until next time i am brandon cruz and this is submitted for your approval